Our scripture passage today is from the gospel according to Matthew. We're at chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, and this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and the, uh, the part of that beginning sermon that we know as the Beatitudes. Uh, before we read this, let us pause for a moment and bow our heads in prayer. Good and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have given us your holy word. We thank you that by the power of your spirit, you inspired the prophets and the apostles, Lord, to write these things to us, that they might be given to us for our instruction, Lord, for our guidance, Lord, for our knowledge that we may know you and know our Savior. Father, we also know that unless that same spirit inspires us today that inspire these words, Lord, that we would understand nothing. So we pray your Holy Spirit be breathed upon us, Lord, in our minds and in our hearts, that we may hear, that we may read, that we may understand your good and perfect will for us. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil and false, false all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I heard a story uh, a few years back about a guy, he was, it was, he was getting married, he was at his wedding, right, and, and he had really anticipated the wedding gift that he was going to get from his uncle. See, he was one of these guys that had the, a rich uncle, and this uncle didn't have any other children, so he loved to just dote on his nephews and nieces, and this man had seen the gifts that his uh, cousins had gotten for weddings, and they were, I mean, like good wedding gifts. Like a, like a set of silverware, like real silverware, like made of silver. I mean, like a whole set of that. Uh, another cousin had gotten a new bedroom set. Um, another cousin had gotten his honeymoon paid for by this wealthy uncle. So this man on his wedding day, he just couldn't wait to see what it was his uncle was going to give him. And his, his new bride, and they were together, and they were opening the presents. And he finally got to his uncle's, and he was so excited, he tore into it. And then he looked down and he saw a Bible. 
And I can't tell you how disappointed he was. His uncle had given him a Bible for a wedding present. And all those just great gifts that he had thought of, just, oh man, it was just his hopes had dashed. And he looked at the Bible and there was nothing really in the Bible except a little note attached. And so don't forget to read your Bible. There are great blessings within. With his disappointment, he just put the Bible aside. And, and to kind of compound it, his disappointment, every time he saw his uncle at every Thanksgiving or Christmas or family event, his uncle would come up to him and say, so, you've been reading your Bible? You know, there's great blessings within. Yeah, 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 I've been reading my Bible. Of course, he hadn't touched the Bible. Sitting on a shelf somewhere gathering dust. And it gathered dust for years and years, and his uncle's still asking him every so often, so you've been reading your Bible? You know, there's great blessings within. Never did crack that Bible open. He never could get rid of the feeling that he had been cheated on his gift. That his other cousins had been blessed so much better than he had been blessed. So I want to ask you, and y'all are good Christian folks right here, here at church on a cold rainy day, which one is the greater blessing? The set of silverware or our new, new, new bedroom suite or... Or a Bible? I think you know the answer, right? You know what, at least what you're supposed to say, right? Oh, of course it's the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God given to us. What greater blessing is there than that? Except as people, we've got this chronic flaw in us. And we're unable to see a real blessing. Sometimes when it's staring us right in the face. I mean, admit it, admit it. How many of you given the choice, would take the silverware or the, the new bedroom furniture over a Bible? How many of us really recognize it for the blessing that it is? How many of you would feel cheated like this man here if you received this nominally smaller gift than the bigger ones your cousins received? In fact, most of our energy and our life today is set into pursuing not heavenly, but earthly blessings. Most of our effort and energy is put into achieving comfort and ambition, or, or maybe our little 15 seconds of fame that we might achieve. I think most of all, most of our energy and efforts put into finding our little pleasures and whatever money we can amass as we live here on planet Earth, whatever entertainments and enjoyments we can gain for ourselves whatever nest egg of wealth that we can build up as most as we possibly can. I mean, how many of us really pursue the godly blessings? How many of us take our time to pursue knowing God, to pursue knowing Him, to pursue being known by Him? And why is it do we have such a hard time seeing the real blessings before us and being blinded by the flashy earthly blessings? Now, most of us, if you ask the question, would probably say it's a problem of desire. Our desires are bad. We have too much desire. We don't have enough self-control. Now, the Christian theologian C.S. Lewis had an interesting take on that. He said it wasn't we have too much desire. He says we have too little. Or it's not that our desires are too strong. It's that our desires are too weak. And so we desire after weak things. This is what he said in, the, in his book, The Weight of Glory. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures 
fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We are like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far, far too easily pleased. So he says, not our desire is too strong, our desire is too weak. Here, God's glory is offering us this vacation at the sea, and instead we're saying, no, nah, I'm going to play with these little mud pies in the slum. I'm going to take these over the greater blessing that God has to offer me. So why is it we desire the wrong things? Why is it we get so excited about earthly blessings when we're receiving them and we fail to even pay attention to the heavenly ones? And we, and we know the heavenly ones are better. I mean, we know it. I mean, just, just look at them. Look in, here in the, in the Beatitudes today. As a, you know, when Jesus spoke these blessings he was going to give us, I mean, just look at how good these are. I mean, these are fantastic blessings. There's like, we get to have the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be comforted, inheriting the earth, being satisfied, seeing God, being called sons of God, having a great reward in heaven. I mean, these are good blessings. I mean, there's really nothing that the earth or the world can give us in comparison. And we know they're better. We know they're better, so how can we possibly desire an earthly blessing over a heavenly one? And why would we commit so much of our energy in a blessing that fails in getting mud pies when God's offering us a holiday at the sea? Now, part of the problem, I'll admit, and this is an admitted problem, is we can't really see those heavenly blessings yet. Right, earthly blessings are right here in front of our face. They're ones that we can take hold, we can grab, and, and even more, we can enjoy them right now. I mean, the heavenly blessings, they take a little bit of faith to pursue because they're coming much, much later on in life or even in our existence. But a heavenly blessing, we can see that they are, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the earthly ones, are. we can see that they're here and they're here right now. And moreover, we can see our neighbor really enjoying those blessings while we don't enjoy them near as much as they do. And so these are things that we can take hold and have of right now. And that's true, a problem. That's one reason why we pursue the earthly over the heavenly. But I think there's something else at work here. I think there's some other reason why we hesitate to really pursue the blessings that God wants to give us. And a big part of it is we're not really sure we want to be the people that God is asking us to be. I'm not talking about good people. We all want to be good people. But when we break it down and we see exactly who it is God is asking us to be, that's when we start to hesitate. We, we look at these incredible blessings that God is giving us. Then we look at the kind of person that is being blessed. And that's when we pause and say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I want the blessing and everything. That'd be great. But I'm not sure I want to be this kind of person. And let, let me tell you what I mean. Look, look, at, look at what I mean, okay? Look down here at this, the Beatitudes, this passage we read. We see the blessings here, but these blessings are given to a specific kind of person. And we look at the kind of people that are given these, and these are not necessarily desirable traits as our world sees desirable traits. I mean, the very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
Now, we don't like the word poor, period, in anything. That already has kind of got us turned off a little bit. But this says poor in spirit. Now, poor in spirit means somebody who is acutely aware of their spiritual poverty. That they are acutely aware of the need that they have. That they have this deep hunger and this need, and they know they cannot satisfy it by themselves. Another word of saying it is humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Now, if there's a word that we hate more than poverty, it might be humility. No one likes being humble. Right? We like to think of ourselves as great or awesome or just God's gift to humanity. But he's asking us to be small, to have little self-esteem, to always be in the background, always being the chorus. Nobody wants to be humble. And all the others aren't any better. He asks us, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn? Well, that sounds depressed to me. The meek? Well, that's just a doormat for the world. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that sounds like a ticket to nowhere in life for sure. Merciful, it's an invitation to be taken advantage of by everybody. Pure in heart, well, that's holier than thou, and frankly, a little bit boring if you ask me. Peacemakers, a bunch of tree-hugging hippies. Persecuted, that's an extremely unhealthy lifestyle. No one should want that reviled hated lied about even if it's for the sake of christ okay that sounds like reject and loser i mean if we're honest that's kind of how it sounds i mean it's not very enticing i mean who would in our honest of honest thoughts with ourselves wants that for our life in fact what the world tells us to desire is the exact opposite of everything that jesus has mentioned here he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. We want to be proud. He says, blessed are those who mourn. We want to be happy. Blessed are those who, who are meek. We prefer to be bold, if you ask us personally. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But we're told we need to hunger and thirst for success. Blessed are the merciful. Well, we prefer revenge for our enemies, or at least enough to teach people that they can't mess with us. Blessed are the pure in heart, I'd rather follow my desires. Blessed are the peacemakers, nah, we need to stir the pot every now and then. Blessed are the persecuted, nah, I'd rather be on top, that's where we're supposed to be. Blessed are the insulted and the reviled and the lied about for the sake of Christ. Are you kidding me? I want to be loved by everybody. I want to be the talk of the town. I want my name to be on everyone's lips and them say nothing but good things about me behind my back. I think this is a huge barrier that keeps us from pursuing these blessings is we're not sure if we want to be that kind of people. In fact, it's a lot easier to just, well, be that kid playing with the mud pies. I mean, a trip to the coast sounds nice and everything, but gosh, that's a lot of work. I got to rent a place down there. I got to pack the car, make the whole trip. It's going to cost a lot of money. Got to ask y'all for work. No. You know, the mud pies are right here. I'm right here. We a little bit lazy? Yeah. A little bit content with who we already are. Maybe scared of change. 
maybe scared of that great unknown of what a vacation to the coast really means when the familiar life is right here, safe and comfortable at our feet. And not to mention, if you look around, the people that Jesus is talking about, this, this meek and lowly and mournful people, they're not the ones who get blessed in the world I know. They're not the ones that get blessed when I look around and see the successful and blessed people. It's not the meek who get what they want. It's the bold. It's not the humble who get ahead in life. It's the proud. It's not the merciful or the pure or the persecuted or the peacemakers who come out on top. It's the ambitious and the opportunistic and the strong and the popular. These are the people who get blessed. So why would Jesus ask me to be what looks like a bottom feeder? Why would Jesus ask me to be a loser? That's what it kind of sounds like he's asking us. He's asking me to be persecuted, to be meek, to be humble, to be little, to be a nobody, to be weak. We know that's not the truth. We know that is not what Jesus is asking us at all. In fact, he's asking you to be stronger than you want to be. He's asking you to have more strength in you than you even want to have for yourself. Because he's asking you to be so strong that you can follow the example of the Son of God. He's asking you to be so strong that you can follow the example of the Son of God who humbled himself so that you could be saved. He's asking you to follow the example of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who made himself meek so that you could learn from him. He's asking you to follow the example of the King of heaven and earth who had the power to command angels at his side and he allowed himself to be persecuted until death so that you could have life. He's asking you to be like him. And this is not a path for the weak or the faint of heart. This is a path only for those of enduring faith. And his blessing is not for the weak either. You know, I think one of the other reasons we hesitate to pursue his blessing like God's real blessing, I think deep down, deep down all of us know that we're not worthy. I think all of us know deep down that the blessing God wants to give us, these just extravagant blessings that he's promising us, deep down we know that we're too small to hold it. And that this blessing is too great for us. The Apostle Paul, he said in 2 Corinthians, that this slight momentary affliction of our life is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. That this momentary affliction that we're in now is preparing us for God's heavy, heavy blessing that he's going to lay upon us one day. And he says it as if, way we are right now, that we're not ready for that blessing. That the way we are right now, the people the way we are right now, if God were to put that blessing on us right here in this moment, it is so great that it would break us into pieces. And much of what God does in our life is not to make us worthy of His blessing. 
to make us ready. And much of God's work in this life is not making us so that we're good enough or holy enough or pure enough to receive God bless, God's blessing, but that we are strong enough that we can bear up under the tremendous weight of glory. Because right now, well, we're just content with our mud pies, with our money and our stuff and our likes on social media. And Christ is waiting for us to hate these things. He's waiting for us to hate them and despise them as low and worthless. He's waiting so we can get to the point where when Paul, he said that he regards everything as garbage compared to the glories of knowing Christ Jesus as his Lord. He's waiting us to see what a real blessing is. He's waiting us to be in a place like the man who received a Bible for his wedding gift. And to be able to see that, the gift of the Word of God, as a real blessing. And it was actually a sad story about that guy. Because he kept that Bible for years and years with his uncle asking him at every holiday, you've been reading your Bible? You know there's a great blessing inside. That Bible sat there on a shelf collecting dust until that uncle died. And out of, a, I guess, a fit of guilt, the guy decides to just crack it open in memory of his uncle. And he opened that Bible up in there, and the book of Genesis was a $100 bill. And kind of on a whim, on a hunch, he turned to Exodus, and there was another $100 bill. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all a $100 bill right where the book began. And he went through the entire Bible, and he found in front of every book in the Bible, there was a $100 bill waiting for him. Now, there's 66 books in the Bible. Who's good at math here? How much money is that? I'm not good at math. I need y'all to help me. I mean, 6600 I want to hear that right. $6,600 sitting in that Bible for 20 years. His uncle had promised him there was a blessing for those who read their Bible. Now, the saddest part of this story is as, as this man sat here sitting at this pile of money in his Bible, he had this sense of regret that came over him. And it was not regret that he hadn't read his Bible. It wasn't even regret when he realized his uncle knew this whole time that he had never cracked open that Bible. That man sat there and had $6,600 in cash in his lap, and his biggest regret is he had missed out on all the interest that money could have collected over 20 years. Still wasn't ready for the real blessing. My friends, we'll be ready for God's greatest blessing when we see what is truly valuable in our life, in our world around us, and in the life of others. We're ready for God's true blessing when we regard everything as garbage when it's compared to Jesus Christ. We're ready for God's blessing when we see that mud pies is the best that our world has ever and can ever offer us in this life. We're ready for God's real blessing when we know the best thing a $100 bill can do is to be a bookmark for our Bible. Then we may be ready. But the real measure for us being ready for God's blessing is the way that He showed us Himself. 
Not only when we're humble, but when we love our humility. Not only when we're meek, but when we adore our meekness. Not only when we're merciful, but when we can't wait to show another person mercy. When we're proud of our weakness. When we boast in our suffering. When we rejoice whenever we were hated, reviled, or persecuted for the sake of of our Lord Jesus. That is when we are ready to see the face of God. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.